The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Please, can you go to your three people around you and greet them? God bless you. Happy New Year. God bless you. Happy New Year. Just God bless you. Happy New Year. No, I'm greeting everybody. God bless you all. Happy New Year. I will greet you well, well. Uh-huh. Great people around you. Hallelujah. Yeah, welcome to this um, season. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's take a declaration of understanding as we begin to study and share with each other the word of God this evening and pray. One, two, let's go now, I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. And he's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Now, first, let me tell you that the way you took that declaration is as if you really are expecting. You notice, this guy is a man of God. He could perceive it. I could perceive the, the expectation in the air, and the Lord will not disappoint. Amen. Please pardon me. You know, many things jam in my spirit and head, all right, when I want to talk. So, it's not my message, but let me just say this. Expectation is very important when it comes to God's the release of God's power into the lives of his people. Please bear it in mind. What did I say? When it comes to the release of God's power into the lives of his people, expectation is crucial. It's very crucial. You know, I don't have um, the time now to explain why. Remember that man at the gate called Beautiful? They had to tell him, look on us. I hope you're getting my point. What did John the Baptist spend years doing? Telling them to expect the coming of the Lord Jesus. John the Baptist spent time, you know what? Stirring up expectation in the hearts of the people. So that when Jesus came, those who went for the baptism of John, they already had, they may not have known exactly what, but he kept on telling them, this man is coming with the baptism of what? Fire. Holy Ghost down with fire. He's coming with it. I'm baptizing with water. Please bear it in mind. If you don't expect God to do anything, he won't. Not because he can't, but because he can't. Let me put it that way. <laughs> he has the ability, but the circumstances will remove that ability. Many things come into play when it comes to the release of God's power into our lives. One crucial one, is not the only one, but one crucial one is that matter of expectation. I hope you're getting my point. You know, I said many things comes into the head. So when I was thinking this evening, what do we start with this year? So this is our first meeting for 2024, a year that I believe is going to be greater than anyone that I personally have ever experienced. Can I finish my statement, please? You didn't even let me, you are saying amen to what I have not finished saying. <laughs> please. Okay, can I just say something? Try and let statements finish before you say amen. It's important. Because if you are saying amen, you are praying your own. You are not following me. You, you must let me finish 
So you hear what you're agreeing with first. Now, I was saying, this year, I am absolutely convinced it's going to be the greatest year ever since Kingdom World Ministries began in Enugu and began to teach the Word of God and release the Word of God into the body of Christ. I am convinced that the anointing that will come from this pulpit this year will be greater than the one, any one that has ever come forth before. Now you can say amen. amen. Thank you. The Lord is good. So, for that reason, I'm going to try and give myself a lot of liberty of spirit. So, in trying to come up here this evening, I asked myself, what am I going to teach? The only thing that stayed in my spirit, I don't know whether that's going to be a series or anything. I know it's stirred up by many things I've experienced around and the things I've seen in the body of Christ. Um, so, in fact, I said the real danger we face in the church in Nigeria. Now, listen to me. First, let me say this. In every nation, God has his people. Do you get my point? Who are his people on the earth? The church. Have you heard this thing before? That God has two special people on the earth. One is um, the church and one is Israel. Have you heard that thing before? I hope you don't believe it. Please don't because it is not true. Why do I say so? The Bible says he has made one all into one. He only has one. You can't divide him now. What did he say? There is what? One body. He has broken down what? The wall of partitioning. People will tell you that. I heard one man say that a false doctrine is going to come called replacement theology. I just shut down the video. I don't have time for you. Nobody's preaching replacement theology. What we are saying is that the people of God on the earth. Now, let me ask you. Is any Jew accepted outside Christ? In Christ, is there Jew or Gentile? So God fulfills his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob in Christ. And when they come into Christ, having fulfilled his promise, they discover that he also called other people into it. And all of them are made into one. Please, that's not supposed to be my main teaching. Just bear that in mind. So God has his people on the earth. That's what I'm going to emphasize. So any nation, what he does is to address his people first. And I'd like to quote the reference in that regard. He said, in any nation where the church is established, God holds the church responsible for anything that happens in that nation. I'm going to be addressing my verses, my teachings, of course, as usual, to the church. But even if though I don't say it, bear it in mind, that's what I'm saying. If I tell you about Nigeria, I'm not talking about the average Nigerian. I'm talking about the average Nigerian Christian. Do you get my point? If I say Nigeria should do this, I'm not talking about Nigerians everywhere. I'm talking about those who name the name of the Lord. I hope you're following me. Now, this is what I want to say to you as we begin this year again. The greatest danger we face, actually we are working in it right now. The greatest danger we face right now is that it's what I call forgetting God. The people of God are forgetting God. Many of them, if not most, have forgotten. The painful part is that they don't realize it. It's a danger. It's a danger we face. It's a very serious danger. The people of God are forgetting God. That's the major problem. 
many have forgotten. I will say it one more time. Even though you say, ah, I'll go ahead now. Don't worry. I will say it until I've said it enough and my spirit is relieved. The danger we face in this generation is that the people of God are forgetting God. And many have forgotten him. Don't they pray? It's called the prayer of rote. If you use the New American Standard Version, it says, let me just read that from what he said to Isaiah. He said, these are just traditions learned by rote. Things that people have memorized. That's what Isaiah said. He said, traditions, the fear that these people have for me, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. He said, then the Lord said, because these people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. That's what I talk about, forgetting God. And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. What does rote mean? Things you have memorized. What does rote mean? You know, you use the word cramming. Things that you have crammed, rammed into your head. They just come out of you. You don't even know the meaning thereof. Like a joke I had, I read long ago in a Christian magazine. One Christian knelt down to pray and said, Our Father who art in heaven. And the Father said, uh-huh, How can I help you? He said, Please don't interrupt. I'm praying. Did you hear that? So he started again. Our Father who art in heaven. I said, uh-huh, I've heard. So what can I do for you? He said, Do you mind not interrupting me? I'm trying to pray here. That's what I mean. That's tradition learned by rote. They say, say the prayer. So I'm saying it. I don't expect anybody to answer it. And if you were to answer, I consider his inter- answer an interruption. That uh, their the reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. And I'm saying to the church of God, all right, in this nation especially, and possibly in much part of the world, that that's what they are going through, tradition learned by rote. I don't know which preacher said it, so let me not mention any name. But what happens a lot of time, if this thing spreads around the world, it triggers another world war. It may not always be a world war. It can be a global epidemic. It can be, but usually it produces calamity worldwide. And let me say something to you about calamities. If you see a small calamity, know for sure a bigger one is in front, and the first one given to you is to tell you, prevent the bigger one. Something is going wrong around you. Do you hear what I said? If you see calamity around, whether it's your personal life or national life or international life, just get, just understand for sure that there's a bigger one in front. Why were you giving this one? To let you know that bigger one is coming and possibly you can, you can do something about it. You know, avert it. That's what it does. Now I'll say to you, when I say forgetting God, I've heard people insult people. Christians, we do that. I've done it also, all right? Each other. But I've heard some people say this, that's ignorance gone to seed. I would hate to display my... You know, we insult each other because we disagree on doctrines. I've, I'm not saying... I've, I've done it too. There's a particular preacher. I love some of his messages, but I don't mention his name in my preachings. I've done it a few times because he makes it a habit to insult those who believe a truth which he does not understand. And I want to share that truth again. And it's very common in certain parts of our Christian teachings to say what I'm about to say is wrong. Except that we say that because we don't pay attention to the scriptures. We brag, those of us who say this thing, that is who 
tell other people they don't know what they are saying. We say that we must stick with the word. But then when we preach further, we say stick with the New Testament. Forget the Old. Now for those who do not know, what you call the Old Testament was never called the Old Testament, the Bible. It was called the Law, the Prophet, and the Psalms. That's what the Jewish man calls his own compilation of scriptures. The Bible is in three, for them, the Bible is in three segments. The law, the prophets, and then what they call the writings. So, just the Psalms to summarize it. Including things like Proverbs, alright, Psalms, of course, Esther, Daniel, funny enough, Daniel is not in the prophets for them, alright? Or the Nehemiah, Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah, one book. And then they have the prophets. The prophets um, are in two categories. The former prophets and the latter one, the early and the late prophets. And so things like Samuel is part of the early prophets. Jeremiah, Lamentation, you understand, of Jeremiah, of course, Isaiah, all of those things down to Malachi are the later prophets. So that's what they call it. What the Bible calls the Old Testament, if you read the Hebrews, is the one that God gave on Mount Sinai through Moses to the people of Israel. That's what they call the Old Testament. So there was no Old Testament until they got to Mount Sinai. There was no old, Genesis is not Old Testament in the Bible. Exodus, the first part, is not Old Testament. It was when they got to Mount Sinai, they now entered into a covenant. And that covenant passed away when Jesus came. And that's why it's called the Old. So when Paul was writing in the book of Hebrews, he said that he took away the... Was it just like prophesied about it? He took away the first, established the second. But he was saying that if the old had nothing wrong with it, so the first. So what he was saying is that one has passed away. It's fading away, he said. And a new one came to replace it. So what replaced is called what? The New Testament. What is the Old Testament? The Old Testament is just that which God had with the people of Israel. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament is that which God said, this is how you and I will relate. Now let me just quickly say something. I won't spend much time on it. The Old Testament has some unique rules that do not apply to everybody. They didn't apply before or after. The letters, the strict keeping of those rules is what I'm talking about. But the spirit behind them, let me give an example. They came to Jesus and said, listen, Moses allowed us to divorce our wives. Just angry. This woman annoys me too much. Two of you just said, I'm not marrying again. Like in Islam, you know how you divorce? You speak to the woman, and I want to add my own, in the hearing of witnesses. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce three times. That's it, you are divorced. Some of you hot tempered people, you have to be remarrying your wife all the time because. One night, you just get angry. My neighbors, come, come. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Next morning, ah, Mama Sikira, don't be angry. <laughs> say, I marry you, I marry you, I marry you. You do it again. <laughs> so they said, but Moses allowed us to do that. Jesus said, it was because of the hardness of your heart. It was God that dictated that instruction to Moses. It was. He had to say it was for the hardness of your heart. Now, I just gave us an example. Many things were like that. They had laws concerning how they would cut their hair. Most of our barbers would be out of business if we were operating that law. 
As part, now many people won't like what I'm about to say. As part of that law, every third year, it's what they call the year of tithing. He said, but Abraham tithed before then. Not as a law. Not as a habit. Not as a duty. We didn't do it regularly. We have only one record of it once. Nobody else. Not Jacob. The one you quote about Jacob never happened. All right? There was a different matter. I'm not going to do that now. Now, where I'm going is that. So they had rules. And all those rules, all of them, simple, every single one. You see, including the Ten Commandments, yes, all of them disappeared with the Old Testament. So we cannot have other gods. No. Having one God was before the Old Testament. That rule was there. You can't have another God. Do you know why? There is no other God. I hope you're getting my point. There is no, you can't have. You can have confusion, you are free. You can confuse yourself. You can decide that, like one guy did, madman. He said the world was created by a floating mass of spaghetti. He said that is his religion. You know his reason? He believes that Christians just invented God. You couldn't have invented God. God invented you. Are you out of your mind? Without him, you don't exist. So, you can't have another God. He doesn't need to give you an instruction. Go and bring the God. Let me see. So, he said, hear, O Israel. That was not a commandment. That was a statement of fact. Some of the things I want to modify in my teaching. No, I'm not changing my teaching, but I talk about different parts of the word of God. There's something I want to emphasize as part of the precepts of put on his own. What is called the wisdom of God. It's different. That is, just know the truths that are real and out there. For example, hear, O Israel. The Lord thy God is one. Why did he say that? Because Egypt had at least ten. The Hindus have them in hundreds of thousands of millions. Many people have different ones. So you have to tell them Israel is not like that. Please, I hope you're getting my point. I'm just going to emphasize to us. So sometimes when we say what we call the Old Testament is not old. It's called the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. Inside it is a small portion, which is the agreement of, um, of relationship between Israel and God. And that passed away. All right? It did. However, the nation existed for a reason. So to them was what? Committed the oracles of God. So Isaiah was an Israelite. Do you get my point? Jeremiah, Daniel, Malachi, Zephaniah, Haggai, of course, Samuel, Moses, and of course, what's his name? David. And many other ones I didn't mention, all right? Nahum, Obadiah, all right, and people like that, Jonah, okay? So they wrote the counsel of God down for us to learn to understand. They wrote the counsel of God down for us to learn and to understand. So when you say, don't read it, you have Thrown away the book that Jeremiah, uh, that um, Paul read. You thrown away the book that Jesus read. Let me start with Jesus. You thrown away the book that Peter read, that James read, that John read. And with the Holy Spirit and the words of Jesus Christ, help them to understand. You remember that Philip met Ethiopia Enoch, and Ethiopia Enoch said, he now asked him, "What were you? What are you reading?" He said, "Do you understand what you are reading?" What did he say? How can I, unless somebody explains it to me? 
And in fact, I was reading from what you and I now call Isaiah chapter, well, latter part of 52 into the whole of 53. And then Philip explained it to him. So anytime you pick what you call the New Testament, most times they are explaining Isaiah to you. They are explaining Psalms to you. They are explaining Genesis to you. But because, that is, without the Holy Spirit breaking upon those people, you would not ever understand that. Think about that book. Go and read Isaiah from the end of 52 into 53. You wonder, what are they talking about? But without that, we would not even have understood what happened in Golgotha. Please read your Bible from Genesis to Malachi. It hasn't passed away. Even in the laws of Moses, you will find the Spirit of God speaking to you. You will. That's why I said in Galatians chapter 5 that walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill what? The desires of the flesh. What was he talking about? Every law has a spirit. Many Christians think what it means is that when you are going around, habaya, go, habaya, habaya, be, be walking by speaking in tongues. That's not what he said. Before you cross the road, pray. Lord, which footstep do I put ahead first? So that's how you walk in the spirit. Please, that absolutely was not what Paul was saying. He was talking about the law. People trying to fulfill, you know, attain righteousness through obeying the law. He told them the law has a spirit. Walk in that spirit. And what's the spirit of the law? Two sentences for the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy you know, their mind, mind and their strength. He now said, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the spirit that Paul was saying. I hope you're getting my point. So we need to understand these things. So what happens is that we, or what we should do as believers is read the whole Bible and we'll understand God. Remember I said I wanted to make a misstatement. God causes calamity. God judges people. God kills he places diseases on human beings. It is not accurate to say only the devil does it. He sends plagues. Amos said, I saw the Lord preparing a plague of locusts right after the king's portion of the harvest was taken. He said, and I looked and said, Lord, how will Israel survive? Because she's so small. He said, Lord, please. They will not survive. They are so small. And God said, what are you saying? He said, please, relent. And God said, it will not be. Now, where am I going? He said, I saw God. Not the devil. I saw who? God. Preparing a swarm of locusts. God says, I'm about to invent calamity against these people. I hear things like, no one you are not God. He leaves you where devil can catch you. It's not true. He tells the devil, do this to him, don't do that one to him. The devil doesn't have any prerogative on what he can do. He doesn't have. I'm sorry to say, please, don't be offended if you're of the other school of thought. Just go and read the Bible. There's something we do. Please, this is so important. I believe God wants us to know it. I'm not here to criticize, to antagonize. I want to balance truth. This is very, very important. Many times people say that God only allows. I say, where did you see? There's, it's not anywhere in the Bible. It's an invention of one Bible teacher. 
And go and check every book you have read. They all reference the same person. There's one commentary by one man who can give me the name. I've forgotten the name. It's everybody references that. Then they tell me in the amount of two or three witnesses, everything is established. That one didn't have two witnesses. That's only one. Everybody quotes somebody who's quoting that person. That the man says that the real rendering is passive, is best referred to as allow. I will not allow the diseases that's upon the Egyptians. I will not allow it upon you. Can I say something to you? That's not founded upon the balanced word of God. God said, I the Lord. I bring good and I bring calamity. He does that. Please. You know what he said? You know, what we did was that when we read that, that so-called Old Testament, the law and the prophets and the Psalms, we saw God say it again and again that I do. When I said, no, it's the Hebrew that's wrong. The Hebrew is not wrong. God said what he meant and he meant what he said. There was a time I took time out to compile in my Bible of where God said, I do these things. And it's just all over the place. We just decided to say that he only allows. I said the same Hebrew word is used when it comes to blessing. So we can also say he does not bless people. He only allows a blessing on them. You want to know the truth? God curses people. I know it shocks people to hear that. If a woman teaching about curses, says the worst of all curses. When God places it upon you. If your father curses you, God can overrule him. If, if God curses you, go and gather everybody. Let me see who's going to overrule him. Please go and gather them. So where did you see him curse people? Wait. Do you read your Bible? Genesis chapter 3. Your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. In pain will you bring forth children. Who said it? To whom? On what occasion? Didn't you do CRS in secondary school? At least when I was there, that's what they used to They would give a statement. Give the context of the following and answer the questions that follow. Who said it? They'll give a statement and say, who said it? To whom? On what occasion? So I'm giving you another test now. When it says, from the sweat of your brow, you eat bread. Who said it? To whom? On what occasion? After I disobeyed. Was that a blessing or a curse? Who pronounced it? Simple. Don't run away. Answer. Does God curse people? Simon is still looking at the sky. After everything I said, does God curse people? Yes, he does. He does. It's in judgment, but he does. I'm going to give you a few more so you understand the scriptures. There's something that we held on some doctrines. No, no, you see, you know what I'm saying? So I've said this again and again. That's why we forget God. I'm going to read a scripture for you now. God will do things, they say, not he. I'll read for you in a moment. They say calamity will not come upon us. Not he. He doesn't do such things. In today's Christianity, we have said the same thing in another way. Let me ask you another question. There's no fight about it. Quickly, turn to um, Numbers chapter 13. The danger, like I said to you, is what? Forgetting God. Yeah, I'm going to study at Kadesh Barnea. Okay, just turn to 14. Listen to this, verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil generation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Is that a blessing? 
Your corpses will fall in the wilderness. In this wilderness. Even all your numbered men. According to your complete number. From 20 years old and upward. Who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land. In which I swore to say to you. Your children. Except Caleb of course. And Joshua. Your children however. Whom you said will become a prey. I will bring in. As for you. Verse 12. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness. And they will suffer for your unfaithfulness. Until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land. 40 days. For every year you shall bear your guilt one year. Even 40 years. And you shall know my opposition. I the Lord have spoken. Surely this I will do. Did you hear what he said? This I will what? This I will let the devil do. This I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be destroyed and there they will die. Is that a blessing or a curse? Who pronounced it? In response, of course, we know to what? Disobedience. Disobedience procures judgment from God, not from the devil. Do not forget God, is what I'm bringing. Why did I go into all of this? Because, you see, I said something earlier. That anytime you see calamity in a measure, your mind should go in one direction. A worse calamity is up front and is on its way. It can be turned back. It can be stopped. It can be hindered. But if you don't bear it in mind, I remember when COVID-19 broke out, one prominent preacher, not from Nigeria, said something. Amen. God has a victory. The devil is only trying to do catch-up. I said, you should know that even the devil right now is wearing a mask. You should know. Of course, I'm repeating things that if you have listened to me long enough, you already know. The greatest calamity this world has ever witnessed is the flood of Noah. I suspect at that time, the devil went to the moon. Lest he drowns too. That's just like a joke. But, you know, it was God that said, I'm angry. I'm sad that I placed man upon the earth. The imagination of their hearts, right, is evil constantly. Therefore, I'm going to wipe them off the earth. You know what he did? He drowned everybody. Were there men there? There's no catch. Were there men there? Were there women there? Were there children? Were there babies? Who drowned them all? Please, can you quite nicely revise that your theology, that God doesn't kill people? It's because you've not bothered to think about it. He kills people. It is never his will. Again, I will remind us, there's a difference between the will and the decree of God. The will of God is what he likes. The decree of God is, is simply like the name that the word goes, the decree. What he has de- commanded. And I want to say to you again, he commands calamity upon people. Leave the devil out for a moment. He, will, he commands calamity. He will say, you, 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 die. The angel of death does not come from hell. He comes from heaven. Many people don't know that. Never thought about it. 
It's not the messenger of Satan. It's the messenger of God. It's the messenger of God, the angel of death. So he got up one day and went into the houses of the Egyptians and killed in every household the firstborn. Whether it's the same angel or his cousin, I don't know. But one day, when they threatened Hezekiah, God told that angel, he was a very terrible guy, told him, go and kill the Assyrians. Let me ask you a question. Did the Assyrians die? The devil killed them. Who killed them? An angel that God sent killed the Assyrians. Please wipe off from your mind that God does not kill people. He does. He sends calamity. He punishes a generation that denies him. Some say he doesn't kill his children. I say, who told you? Who told you? The fact that he does to people have established that. What about his own children? Does he afflict them? Of course he does. Never willingly. Never his desire. But always in response to stubbornness. Stiff nakedness, thank you. And disobedience. He doesn't afflict willingly. He never afflicts willingly. I can say to you, he pays him more than he's paying the child when he's doing it. Parents will flog their children sometimes. Real parents, I don't mean sissies. Real parents. And then go and cry behind. That is hurting them that I have to afflict you like this. But if I don't, you won't turn out right in life. It's in scripture. Don't rewrite those scriptures. Though. The Bible says if you flog him, he will not die. And they say the rod, the rod stands for the word of God. So the rod is the word. With the word, you, up, you, you train the child. I said, why, sorry, why do we see, we don't just throw away common sense when we want to believe something. Why did he say, even though you flog him, he will not die? Why did he tell you about chastisement being grievous? Just think, you know, that would just help you. Say, even though you were to flog him, he will not die. That would let you know that he wasn't talking about the word. Just take your child. Why did he disobey me? Thou shalt obey. Thou shalt obey. <laughs> now, say, if you do that again, three strokes on your butt, that's the word of God. And when you do it, I give the three. And you will learn not to do it again. Perez, that also. <laughs> Did he not drive stubbornness out of you? <laughs> Are you not a happier guy for it now? Yes. This guy is a rap artist too. Anointed. Uh, if he writes song, he plays keyboard, he writes songs, and he's fluent with his vibes. Forget that it's quite the way they do. The rod of God brought out the gift in him. <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira were born again. They annoyed the Holy Spirit, and they died. Simon was uh, the sorcerer, formerly the sorcerer. Gave his life to Christ, was baptized. 
Yet Peter said, your money perish with you. He was going to perish too. For this cause many are sick among you and many sleep. Why? You do not rightfully descend the body of Christ. And please, at the end of the day, go to Revelation for me. Not now. Just go and read it, chapter 2, chapter 3. Jesus told them, he will come and fight against them. The church, the rod of his mouth. If anybody tells you that God doesn't punish, he does not judge, it's not true. What I should say, which all of us are in agreement with, it is never his will. What is the will of God that which he desires? That which is in line with his eternal purpose. That which is his goal, which he derives satisfaction from, that is his will. His will is that nobody, not even the unbeliever, will perish. And how did he ensure that, or how did he walk towards that? For God does love the world. He gave the necessary sacrifice. His only begotten son. So that because, because he's just, he must punish the unbeliever, the sinner, the transgressor. So he says, okay, let me take the punishment myself. The Bible says that his right hand brought salvation unto him. So he said, whosoever we believe now will be justified. That is his will. His will, he said, it don't be like a mule or an ox that it must have bits fitted into his mouth, otherwise he won't obey you. His will is not that you should have bits in your mouth to be forced left and right. His will is that you will obey with a willful heart. That's his will. His will is I desire above all things that you will prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. What is his will? I have come that he may have life and have it more abundantly. That is his will. His will is that in the kingdom, the youth will die at the age of 100. If anybody dies before the age of 100, everybody will say, what happened? What did he do? Did he disobey God? Did God tell him to go somewhere he did not go? There will be a conference on that man was only 98. That is his will. His will is, they shall not be barren or cast their young in the midst of you. That is his will. His will is that the heavens will give you rain in his right season. That is his will. His will is that you will not have to eat bread from your sweat. What is his will? His will is that the earth will quickly yield its increase for you. That is eternally his will. His will is that when I brought them out, there was not one feeble amongst them. No inhabitant of Zion will say, I am sick. That is his will. That is what he rejoices over. Every other thing I have said, he never wants to do. But it is wrong for us to say he doesn't do it. He never wants to. Back to what I was saying. Anytime you see calamity around you, around your nation, around your family, people of God, look ahead. A worse thing is coming. God said, what is the worst that happened to a Christian? The worst is that he will be condemned with the world. It happens. It happens. 
the worst. People say that, ah, can a Christian be content with the world? Why will Jesus be teaching us? Why would the Holy Spirit be telling us how to take precautions against something that can never happen? I don't know whether I get my point. Why will he be giving us precautions if it could never happen? If a child can never catch worms and diseases from eating with dirty hands, why will he tell him to wash his hands? In case you do not, do not know, again, as an aside, those the surgeons did not use to wash their hands before surgery. They didn't use to wash their instruments between surgeries. Do you know what I said? You know why? They did not know they were bacteria. Ah, people don't know. You think knowledge has been there forever? There was a time there were surgeons, yet the medical world did not know there was something called bacteria that caused wound infections. They thought wound infections was because something was wrong inside your body. The first guy that tried to beg them to wash their hands, obstetricians, before they examined pregnant women, they ran him mental. Yeah, he went crazy. Just trying to persuade doctors, please wash your hands before you handle a woman who's pregnant, who's in labor. Just go to the tap, run soap over your hand and wash it. Where am I going? Why did they start washing their hands? Because after a while, it was discovered that indeed germs spread from one place to the other through the hands of people and the caregivers. So now say, wash your hands. So now before a surgeon starts surgery, he washes his hands, guess how many times? Three times. Under running water. On top of that, he wears sterile gloves. On top of that, he will autoclave all his equipment. Only, no, there's no gem made in hell that survives. <laughs> Why? Because now we know consequences. I hope you get my point. I just like to enlighten people, tell you some stories. So why will God warn us against this can never happen? He said, if you, he said, judge yourselves so you'll not be judged by the Lord. When you are judged by the Lord, why is he judging you? Because he does not want you to be condemned with the world. He's hoping that when I flog you, you wake up to reality. And you will say like David, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I because there is no blessing without obedience. But now, I obey your word. Talking about the will of God is. What's the point in everything I'm saying? Please, I've not gotten there. I've made the first point. Anytime you see calamity, leave the devil out. Assume it, comes, it came from the hand of the Lord. Why is that important? Because you don't avert the next calamity by rebuking it. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? It's a mistake we made when we started, when we carried the authority of believers to a place where it doesn't exist. You do not avert calamity by rebuking it. You will say, Jesus rebuked the wind. I know. Do you know why he could rebuke the wind? Because the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. That's it. I could go through the explanation of why it happened like that. 
judgment had been determined against people, he came as an expression of the mercy of God. So he could rebuke. You can't rebuke that which has been commanded by God. A king of, um, yeah, I think it was Judah, tried to intercept the king of Egypt. And that one said, why are you trying to obstruct the work of God? Did I go by myself? It's not God that commanded me. And the king of Judah wouldn't listen. Do you know what happened? Neko killed him. That's the name of the king of Egypt. And God said, well, let him die. Why? Neko could not be rebuked. Because indeed, he was commanded by God. That is why it is necessary for us to know some of these truths. You cannot rebuke that which is coming as a result of disobedience. Without first making sure your obedience is what? Complete. You can only rebuke when your own obedience is now complete. That's the only time you can rebuke. When your obedience is complete. So, what do you do? As soon as you see one calamity, you go into God and pray. You ask the Lord for mercy. You ask God to stay the hand of judgment. And you say to him, Lord, if I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. Why do you say if I have done iniquity? Because sometimes you don't know. And the primary thing that God gives as a, as a blessing to people in disobedience is correction. If God is not correcting you, you are in deep trouble. Correction. Correction. Let me tell you something. If they bring correction your way, may your head, like the Bible says, not refuse it. I thought of something last year. If somebody corrects you, eh? Never say, who are you to correct me? Just keep quiet. You know, you can think it. Oh. Me, I, I can think that kind of thing. In my, mind, in my mind, my wife, look at Dean Wokio. He has grown wings. Oh. He's correcting me. In my mind, oh. on the surface, I won't say it. The nonsense that he said that's annoying me, I will think about it. Do you know why? I have seen people in this life who rejected correction, and I've seen what happened. And I don't want to go that way. Please, let me stay there for a moment. If they correct you, don't be angry. There's no need. Just forget it. You know, this is your pride. It needs to be brought down. You know, pride goes before what? Mm-mm. Destruction, thank you. That's the correct scripture. Pride goes before what? Destruction. Destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. So anybody that's kicking down your pride is helping you. If you have been feeling, ah, I'm too much, I'm too, too much, and so just so slap you. That's your money. How many people know trucks? They are planting in Enugu now because of the bad bridge. They cross through town. You know, Dangote, 30-ton trucks. You know those trucks? <laughs> One day God looked at me. Say, Banky, I don't want you to die for nothing. But this is your righteous attitude. It's going to wound you one day. So, I, I, you know, I obey traffic laws. God has helped me. And I'm a vigilante. I used to be a vigilante against those who don't do it. So one day, I was traveling down to the, is it Ugo Yama, what do you call that place? Yes. I was climbing up. And one truck decided to leave. One lane was closed, so we're all using that one lane. You know, Dua carriage, the other one was closed, so we're using one. 
So the guy's coming towards me on the left, I was on the right going. Then one truck overtook another one up on the hill and started facing my lane and I was in front. So I was angry with righteous indignation. This is the problem with this country. They will not maintain their lane. Why is he overtaking? They've already closed their own side. They're on this side now. You still want to close my side of this side? I was driving the BMW that time, 5 Series. So I hit my brake and stopped, dead in the center of the road, waiting for the truck to get out. So I waited, and it was rolling down the, you know, it's coming down here now. And it kept on coming. So I flashed my light, like, my guy, get out. I have the right of we. Five seconds before the guy gave me a head-on collision. Thank God I didn't put off my engine. Thank God my engine did not stall. Because when it became clear to me, this guy is not planning to stop. I did a sharp wheel to the right, hit my throttle to get out of his way, and he hit my back for you to know that I wasn't joking. I couldn't get out fast enough. One boss trying to go go on with his own journey. Unfortunately for me, had blocked my escape. So I had to run into the bus. I just hear, as I hit the bus, then bang, as the guy gave me at the back. I came to Enugu to preach the gospel, not to die prematurely. <laughs> People of God, I said, what? One, you did the wrong thing. Two, you did not listen to warning. Three, you jumped me in the process, almost killing me. So you know what I did? I turned and pursued the truck. But I was still going. I went and turned, started going after him. I managed to overtake him. I was looking in my mirror and flashing, flagging for him to stop. Finally, he stopped on the flat ground. Three men came down from inside the truck. I was boiling and raking. They said, oh God, calm down. Wait. One or two of them went down their knees. And said, please, we are so sorry. Ah, what was it? He said, oh God, brake failed. He said it was brake failure. That he was trying to slow down. The car refused to slow down this truck. So he was hoping I would leave the way. I said, Jesus Christ, I was thinking of my wife. Akindu was a little boy. Benga was small. I can't remember how many had been born. Yeah. He said, please. He, he dipped nine in his pocket. Brought out a lot of money. He said, please, let him repair my damaged vehicle. The broken light and the dented, you know, the rear fender. That was the car fender too, I don't know, at the back. I was looking at the man. He said, oh God, please, let me advise you. When you see truck, they come up for Since that time, I've obeyed the Lord. <laughs> Since that time till now, I obeyed the Lord. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. See, all my righteous indignation I'm on the road, it disappeared that day. That guy calmed down my pride of right of way. Since then, when I see a man that's big enough, you know, a man in a truck, to carry 30 tons of cement coming against me, 
in a four-wheel 2.0 liter engine car. And I just moved to the bush. Well don't know. <laughs> ain't struggling with you. Because if you killed me now and you go to court and say break fail, they'll put me in jail for five, six, seven years. But they'll put me in the grave finally. You will come out of jail in five years. I'll be in the jail, in the grave for the rest of this life until Jesus comes again. I'll now wake up and tell my wife, sorry about that time. So sometimes it's good for your pride to die early. That's how I'm going. So if, if, if spiritually, that physically now, of course, I'm the moral lesson. Somebody were to slap, a truck were to slap you. Just ask, do I need to be, do I need to be humbled? We all need humility. If they correct, if they correct you in this life, David said, may my head not reject it. How did he say it again? Who knows that scripture? That is the, the correction of the wise is like healing. To, there are some scriptures that say like this. He said, may my head not reject it. You, do you know that scripture? All you men of God, you're not reading your Bible. No. And let me, I know the scripture is there. I may not know where it is. Eh. Oh, yeah, people should find it. We should read it. He said, may my head not, there's a way he said, may my head not reject. I think it's David. If you find it. 141 verse 5, yes. Psalm 141, yeah. So let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it. For still my prayer is against their wickedness. That's another thing he was talking about here. Let me read that for us in the New Living Translation. I know it to be beautiful. That's verse what? Five. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil upon my head. My head will not refuse it. For my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. That is, so that I w- what he was saying in effect, you can easily tie it together. Why is the righteous man rebuking me? Why is he striking me? Because... I have been going against the right way and following the deeds of evildoers. What have I said? Not everything. God never wishes to do evil. But doesn't mean he doesn't do it to people who deserve it. Even if they are his children. That's my emphasis. Even if. So when you see calamity come upon a land, or come upon your life, or come upon a nation, whatever it is, Know that a bigger one is coming right ahead. What do you do? That is what God wants. You know why God allows those things? There are three ways, three levels. First, he sends correction. He only sends calamity. Sorry, I didn't say allow. He only sends. Please, I need to say clearly because this allow, allow thing is not helping us. He only sends calamity and troubles when we don't listen, you know, easily. That's why David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. That's why Elihu told Job, should pray like this. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. Elihu explained it, that God goes stage by stage. He warns people in dreams, correction of friends. I'm adding things together now. All right, dreams, visions of the night. He warns people. When they don't listen, then calamity comes. Sometimes you think you are too wise, you know too much. Calamity is the only thing that will teach you to correct your head. That's the truth. You know what I started talking about? Forgetting God. Remember that? But that's the danger. And I've not forgotten what I'm saying. I just need to emphasize this. Now, if we see calamity, please, people of God, know that the bigger one is up front. Now, I'm not saying this to scare anybody, but I'm saying so that you know what to do. It's time to pray and say, God, no. 
this has to stop. And it's not about where did they bury it. I say this again. It is a false prophet that will see calamity in your life and be telling you, let's find where they buried it. Who buried something against you? They come to your compound to pray and they dig, did they bring out something? Your destiny was just, is just being buried. Did you hear what I said? It is now they are burying it. It's all, they, they will climb the roofs of homes looking for things that are hidden there. I'm about to leave my message. I won't stay for it too long. Some of you now say, hey, Pastor Banky said it too. You saw what BBC has now done to your dead prophet. When I was shouting that time, people sent me meals. That how dare I call anybody false? I look at them and think, are you crazy? Are you telling there's nobody that is false? Listen, let me tell you how to identify false prophets again. You know, I've been telling you, it's not the shape of their suit. It's not the kind of suit they wear. You know, I've been saying it for a long time. They wear good suit, they wear bad suit, doesn't matter. A false prophet can wear very nice suits. Baba Emmanuel used to wear fine suits. The, the shiniest suit I've ever seen on this earth, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not joking, was on him. It was red and was laminated. If they are wearing white garments that are touching the floor, they can still be false. They have white garment prophets that are genuine, like uh, John the Baptist and Elijah. Were they not genuine? Were they not white garments? In fact, the one was brown garments. When you check that area, man, you go brown. They had dreadlocks, but they were genuine. I hope you know it's not every prophet of the Old Testament that was funny looking. Some of them were proper prophets, dressed well. All right? So, your cloth does not determine your prophetic anointing. What makes you false is when you start looking for where they buried it. Instead of speaking into the life of a sinner, instead of looking at the life of the one who's afflicted, then let us examine your life, what may be going on there. Only false. I don't, see, I don't care who they are. They are false. If it's witches they are looking for and finding for you. If they are telling you who placed you in a coven and the cause of your problem, they are false. And I don't care the size of their church. They are false. There are two kinds of false prophets. There are those who are false. They know. They came into it for business. There are some who are real Christians. They are anointed preachers, but they are telling lies. And sometimes they don't even know they are lying. So I'm not saying every false prophet is an unbeliever. Some of them are Christians. They just are ignorant. They start looking for where it was buried. Who buried it? Where was your placenta? What covenant did your father make? A true prophet will take Jesus Christ and lift him up. And say, look here. If he's not so sure, he'll baptize you. Say after me. I give my life to Christ. I believe that he's the son of God. Yes. Confess your sins. All things are passed away. You will do all the rituals we do for giving people, for people to be born again. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died and rose again from the dead. We dip you in water and baptize in every kind of name so there will be no confusion. Some people say, baptize in the name of Jesus, say there's no problem. So I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You go back inside, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. See? There's no fight again. Well, sometimes Christians fight over nonsense. See? He said, how are you baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ? He said, yes. <laughs> you are supposed to baptize in the name of the Father and Son. That one, they did it too. So that, so that there will be no... 
there will be no confusion. <laughs> when it's done with that, he says, say after me, all things have passed away. All previous covenants have been erased. Now I belong to him and him alone. And I tell you, go home. If there was ancestral village covenants holding you, we just broke it. We would never go to the village to go and break an ancestral problem. We just walk out from the midst of them and enter into the higher realm in Christ Jesus. That's all we do. So if there's calamity right now, worse ones are coming up front. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. I'm saying it again and again. <sighs> why did I say all of this? I'll tell you why. I've established some points. Open your Bibles quickly to Daniel chapter 9. People are forgetting God. And we will refuse to forget. We'll recollect, we'll recall to mind who he is what he has done for us, and the demands he has concerning us. Now, please, you also help me open to Second Chronicles. Is it First Chronicles where Solomon said that if, when God said, if my people are called by my name. Mm-hmm. So, let's read there, Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 9. And that was Second Chronicles chapter 6, Abby? 7, alright. Good. When God was answering Solomon, yes. Okay, so let's just read that Daniel chapter 9 first. There's a reason why I just want to get that one on standby. Get that one on standby, but let's read Daniel chapter 9. Notice this. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of Midian descent. Verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. He had the promise of God, right? Through reading. So what did he do? Verse 3. Read with me. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Go on, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him, and keep his commandments. Go on. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Go on. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the peoples of the land. Now let's stop there. I will read a few more verses. Say, righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day. So the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. They began to plead to the Lord, verse 9, our God belongs compassion and forgiveness, for we, are rebelled, we have rebelled against him. Then they continued praying. Let me go stop um, reading here. Now, before we read that uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7, I want to just say something. Now, it's a bit frightening, but it's important we learn it. How many people have heard of the prophecy of Pialtin concerning Nigeria? If you've heard it, well, let me see. If I say amen, what of those who are not here? So, you see, most people here have heard it. What did he say? He said Nigeria will be known for corruption. By that time, he was only seeing a little bit of it, I believe. He couldn't believe the level of corruption that we operate right now. When I think of corruption in Nigeria, eh, my ear tingles. Remember I've been telling you, 
Nigeria as a whole is not my problem. It's the church, the people of God. Remember that? But let's just put everything together. When you hear sometimes, eh, I have friends in America, sometimes we're having some discussions. I said, you guys don't know what we're talking about. I think you don't understand. I'm one person that I've refused to blame any government. They've tried to persuade me, I've refused. And it's by wisdom I'm doing that. It has nothing to do with any government. It's just the way the people are. There's nothing any government can do. The people are like that. The people are like that. It's a culture which came out of a spirit. Yeah. It's a spirit that produces a culture. So the culture is everywhere. Now, for information, it's not just Nigeria. Most African countries are similar. They may not be as bad as we are, but they are quite, to a large extent, like that. And it's not, the culture is not everywhere all over the world. Some societies just don't have that culture. Let me give an example. The Japanese, the average Japanese believes that you are reduced if you steal. So pride does not let him steal. The way I read about it, they say stealing reduces a man. As a man who left his laptop in a park, being from outside Japan, when he found out, he panicked. He rushed back there. The park had closed. Hey, my laptop is ready. They told him, don't worry, come back tomorrow. Next day, the park um, people just brought it from where they kept it. He identified it, gave it to him. He was shocked. Why? And they say stealing reduces a man. So the average Japanese man will not steal. It's a matter of personal pride. But let's just continue what we're saying. Pilotin's story. So he now said that we'll be renowned for corruption. Then what will happen? After a time, our renown now, our fame will be for what? Righteousness. Let me tell you something about prophecy. That statement is not automatic. He has just described to you two things. One, the consequence of the current work and the plan of God. Two things. One, what's going on right now? The trajectory, the natural human life produced by the nations that inhabit the geographical entity called Nigeria. Many nations inside it. It will produce this intensity of corruption. But the plan of God is that the light will shine in the darkness. And the darkness will not be able to overcome it. And as a result of that, when his people walk in the light, they will affect their environment so much that the whole land will get a renown, a fame for what? Righteousness. It is not natural. He did not make a promise. He gave you a prophetic word. Prophetic words are not exactly promises. They just told you the plan of God, the desire of the Almighty, what he wants to do, what he should cooperate with him so he can bring to pass. I'll tell you another thing. God pushes people to the extent that they will have no choice. That they will have no choice but to call upon him. I want the church to understand something. As long as you think there is hope somewhere else. This is the word of God. This is the wisdom of God I'm giving you. Everything in this nation will get worse. And what will be the reason? Only one reason. Because the church thinks there is hope somewhere else. There's no other reason. Listen. Listen to me. I don't mean to scare you. It's 2024. I want good for the year. It's why I'm preaching like this. 
as long as the church thinks the government needs to do something about banditry, it will get worse. As long as the church thinks the government needs to raise an army against kidnapping, it shall get worse. As long as the church thinks that what we need is a strong leader that has economic knowledge. You know what? Did you see the crash of the Naira in the last few months? From about 700 to 1,003 something. Now, for, in case you did not know, every economic index dictates it should go the other direction. I read the news about two days ago that FDI actually increased almost twofold in that, in that period. Or maybe in the last two years. That foreign investment actually increased. It means dollar should become cheaper for us. Government reduce, sub, remove subsidy on fuel. Where I'm going is this. Even here, I explained. When um, the president annulled the, the dual exchange rate, we thought it would come down. I said, I, we just assumed things would be better. When he removed fuel subsidy, a friend of mine wanted to send some money for some things we cooperate to do in Nigeria for some well, a scholarship scheme. So he, he told uh, Pastor Corey to please quickly send the details so he could wire the money down. Why? Before Naira appreciates. Because what everybody knew, what World Bank knew, what IMF knew, what every investment banker knew was that you remove first subsidy, your Naira will strengthen. To my shock, and the shock of everybody, the thing kept on galloping. Even me, I would look. Government did everything. After I went, man, everybody would say, ah, what are going You want to know what's going on? I'm talking to the people of God. You know, we established that, the people of God. You know what God is saying? I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth out of my mouth and will not return. I have said to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. I say I've determined it. If I allowed everything to go well, you say, good. APC is a good government. Don't say they are not a good government. He said, there will be some amongst you that will still say, if only we are the elected liberal party. God said, you don't understand. I will have made it twice as worse. Because you had more faith that time. In that which is not God. Thus says the Lord. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth from my mouth and will not turn back. He said, they will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. That's God's determination. I'm telling the people of God, you know, I'm not preaching to the average Jew on the street. I'm preaching to the church of God. Because I will push you to a wall until you say, Lord, if you don't help us, there's no help anywhere. The worst thing Nigeria, the Nigerian church did, eh? People won't like it, I was it. You knew my stance, the last election. I was pain to my heart. Last election. Was the great, was most shameful outing of the Nigerian church. One prophet that God used to speak to, and I believe it's credible, he went on air the night before election and began to tell us who to vote for because it's a conf- prophetic conflict. I said, God, if you are really a prophet, shut down that video, go and sit down. Prophets don't behave like this. Prophets make mistakes. He made a terrible mistake. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I wanted to tell him. 
Oh boy, behave yourself. Don't be silly. Why? Because the church went into idolatry. I shouted and shouted, you know, even my close disciples, they had to confess later. I said, oh God, we are sorry we could not hear you. They confessed. Several people said, oh God, not vexed also. Say we are sorry. I did not say you shouldn't vote for anybody you wanted to vote for. I'm just saying, please, brethren, do not, ah, don't misplace your faith. I saw people that knew God go crazy over election. I settled down and wrote a book titled, Let Us Agree. Can you believe in unity? Those who followed Pastor Banker and listened to the word of God from my mouth rejected the book. They confessed to So God was ready. We couldn't believe it. I begged them. You are witnesses that we need to be in agreement. And politicians were taking advantage of us. Ah! It pained my soul. But I knew I would be right, of course. I, I told people who wanted to know. I said, I, I tweeted it too. I said, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One of my colleagues said, that is very heavy. I said, I know. I put it out there. I said, hear ye the Lord. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You will be frustrated. It's for your own good. God says it's for your own good. If I don't do it to you, you will do worse to yourselves. Until the church, I've said it again and again. You know, when I told them that Emmanuel was a false prophet, they were arguing with me. Eh? <laughs> you see, he's not pride though. He said, I'm just magnifying my office. I want them. Listen, when it comes to election, this is the only thing the church is allowed to do. Some of you will have sense and listen to me. You know, recently I found out that those who believe God in this country Amongst the men of God are extremely few. I don't think up to 1% of our preachers, prominent ones, okay, let me not say one. I don't think up to 10% of them really believe God. I'm talking about GOs. I'm not mentioning anybody's names. Bishops, founders, primates, prelates, a lot of them put together, pastors of churches of thousands. I don't think I can say up to 10% have not forgotten God. I cannot say up to 10% still remember him. Forgot what they say when they are preaching. Go and listen to them behind. When you hear them behind, your heart will break. You know God doesn't have messengers. You know you want to put the Lord's head on your laps. And be rubbing his back, Lord. Weep no more. There's a reason why Isaiah shouted. Here I am. Send me. God had nobody to send. It was a voice of lamentation from the throne of God that Isaiah heard. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? It's one reason. Let me tell you something about Kingdom World Ministries. This man you call Pastor Banky. I thank God for the medium he has given us and this small venue we have here. Thank God. I don't, I've told my people, I don't like invitations. Those of you that invite me, sorry if you've seen I've been turning you down. I don't like to go anywhere. You know why? I want to say what I want to say. Yes. If I abuse anybody here, there's nothing you can do. All you do, you stop coming. If all these my co-workers don't come, I will film myself. Thank God my children are big now. There was a time when I didn't have them. I recorded myself 
my wife and I. So now they are big, they can hold camera. Where would they go? As long as they are still going to school. And they are not earning enough money to pay their own bills. I will use that to, to, to threaten them. If you don't feel me, no food for you. I will even make parents rough before I preach. And I will give them the lyrics. Tell them, judgment shall come. Judgment is coming. <laughs> he, will rap his, he will rap and say, and I saw fire. And I saw thunder. And I saw locust. And I saw the sea rise and fire fall from heaven. And that star was called Wormwood. And it hit the earth. After hitting the earth, one third of the vegetations died. One third of the animals died. And one third of the peoples died. Say, so Paris, wrap it. So that they are usual. Ah, no food. Where am I going? I have to see it. I'll tell the truth. But adventure, some people will hear it. Next election. Churches can. This is what you will do. You will set up a committee to draft the rules of righteousness for a leader in a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious society like Nigeria. Draft it for them. The rules of righteousness. Then go to each one of them. If there are 40 political parties with 40 presidential candidates, you will go to each one of them Give it. This is what the church expects of you according to the word of the Lord. The God that we serve. If you are willing, when we finish giving it to you, we will pray for you. We will use the exact same words for every aspirant. And we will go to our churches and say the same thing. This is what we have done. We have no favorite amongst them. Thus says the Lord, then I will help you. Then I will hear you. Then because there will be unity in your midst. But the one you did last time, shame on all of you that did it. For one simple reason. The Lord said, I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth out of my mouth. He said, in righteousness, I will not return. What did I say? I have sworn that they will say of me, that only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. That's from Isaiah chapter 45 I've been quoting. And I said in verse 25, In the Lord all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will glory. What am I trying to say? Until the church understands that there is no help from anywhere else. And they turn to God. Remember I started by saying they have forgotten that's what I'm talking about. And they remember God and say, if there is banditry in our land, it is because of iniquity. Anyone who doesn't say it has forgotten God. If there is kidnapping all over the land, it is because of iniquity. Anyone who does not say it has forgotten God. If you no know, farmers, headsmen are fighting all the time, they wake up one morning, 150 people have been murdered in villages in Plato State. And yesterday I read again, the Fulanis came out with their own story, that over a hundred of their people were killed and they, ah, I said, eh? No, sorry, I'm not here to defend anybody. They said, no, we too have a story. Basically, in vendettas and revenges and all of that, 
Hundreds have been murdered every day. You know what, what God said? He said, because I want to punish the Egyptian, I turn his heart against, of that, against that of his brother. That's what he said. That's what he said. So what's God saying? If you find intra-tribal conflicts, intra-tribal conflicts, inter-villages conflicts, intra-village conflicts, in which people are killing each other, he said, look up to heaven and say, God, why are you angry with us? That's why I started by destroying that doctrine that said God does not do evil. Listen, in his judgment, he commands brothers to fight brothers. He will tell you, they will slay each other with a sword, as I have decreed. Please, please, I'm begging those of us who preach, stop, just leave that doctrine behind. So, do not allow the devil, there's not allowing the devil. When David, they represented the people of God, when David numbered Israel, you read two accounts, Kings, Chronicles, one said, Satan did what? Enticed. Now, that's what I want to understand. That's what Satan can do. To entice you to sin against God because the only thing he has against you is divine judgment. If he cannot provoke the anger of God against you, there's nothing he can do. So he hired Balaam. Come and curse these people for me. We know the whole story. Balaam said, I cannot curse those who the Lord has blessed. And God said later, you know how much I loved you. I turned the cursing of Balaam into a blessing. There was nothing Balaam could do. And the revelation is said, there are some amongst you who hold on to the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught the people how to commit immorality? What did Balaam do? He called Balak. You need to entice their God against them. How? Arrange a party. Bring the finest girls you have there. And then come and invite them for the idolatrous parties. And of course, it worked. Except that it did not work the way Balaam had hoped. What Balaam had hoped for was that the whole congregation would suffer. God said, I will not let that happen. I will kill the offenders. So what God quickly did was to end the plague. 23,000 people died in one day. Now what I want you to understand is, who killed them? God. He said, no, it's the devil. No, I said, look, the angel that does that doesn't come from hell. It comes from heaven. How do I know? Go and read your Bible. When Israel was stirred up by Satan to when David to number Israel. What did he do? The judgment of God came upon him. Three days he said, let me fall into the hands of the Lord. Not, not the hand of Satan. Why am I talking about it? On the midway through the second day, as the angel approached Jerusalem, he began the trouble from the outskirts. As he approached Jerusalem, God felt bad. And told the angel, wait. Now, where I'm going with the whole story is that he now told David to go and offer his sacrifice, that Jesus would pay for the rest. David opened his eyes and saw the angel. That's where I'm going with the whole story. He looked up and saw the guy who had been killing the people, an angel of God. So, when you have conflict in the land, we pray the way I have prayed. As long as I remember then, what happened in Nigeria at that time? All of our guys marched on the streets of Abuja. Yay. No, this was not answers. Answers was when we really went mad. When our iniquity began to overflow. 
You know, sometimes, eh? I just assume that everybody knows, every Christian, the average Christian should know the things I'm talking about. Until I began to talk to pastors and realized that they don't even have an idea. You know, the greatest desire of my heart this year? To raise enough people that understand what I understand so they can go and tell the rest of the church. Our madness, I don't think is is matched in the history of Christianity in Nigeria. We know nothing. He said they know not. Neither do they understand. So they walk on in darkness. And all the foundations of the earth are out of course under their feet. Those to whom he said, ye are gods, they march the streets and they shall do human kings. Help us. When the king offered Nehemiah help, Nehemiah said, we have said that our God can take care of us. So he told the king, don't bother. They carried gold and silver, backed only by the power of prayer and the faithfulness of their God. And let me tell you something, one of the things that may help you to pray, when you know you have no other help. I use the illustration all the time for Pastor Courage. When they began to bomb here and there, it was PFN chairman that time in Sokoto. And they called a meeting. They chaired the meeting. They said, what do we do? He said, what do you want us to do? He said, let us get bomb detectors and security men. And he asked them, so after you detect the bomb, what will you do? That question entered everybody. Okay, you, at the gate of your church, you get the people to detect bombs. After that, uncle, you all know what will happen. Whoever it is, we detonate the bomb and kill the people at your gate. So they said to him, so what do we do? Say, did you not call yourself ministers of God? Say, what do ministers do? Say, it's time to pray. The following week or the week before that, they bombed the police headquarters in Sokoto. He called and said, these are the people you said should come and protect you. Their HQ has gone down with the bomb now. So they said, what do we do? Say, what else can we do? That was when they realized that their denominations did not matter. Oh, I, I, I've been there. On Tuesdays, you will see pastors from everything that call themselves Christ. They gather under one roof, eat the same bread, drink the same wine, break the bread, you know, of the, the body of Christ, and drink of the same cup of the covenant. And God arose and defended them. Sometimes calamity is good, though. Calamity is good, though. <laughs> this is a joke. It's a crazy joke here. But it made me laugh. You know, someone who arrested one soldier the other day. One soldier now answered, I said, there's been too much peace in Lagos. That's why they arrested soldiers. <laughs> when I read it, I laughed. He was so angry, you know, military pride. He says, because people have peace now. He said, come to Meduguru. Who arrest soldiers? <laughs> he said, no, now. Go to Zanfara. You won't have time to arrest any soldier. If soldier pack eat rice in the center of the road, you will come there, you go salute. I laugh when I read it. He said, that's the problem with Lagos. Too much peace. <laughs> what am I saying? All this division in the body of Christ. It's too much peace. They're not bombing your churches. That's why you realize that you are not a Catholic, you're an Anglican. If they bomb one redeemed church today and pull down an Anglican church tomorrow and one Methodist church goes down in flames overnight, and one uh, uh, Baptist pastor is killed with his family. When you call prayer meeting, you, that's when you know that. You know, Catholics used to say one rubbish thing that irritates somebody. Say, if you know you are not a Baptist, don't come for this communion. I start laughing. I say, I don't want before. 
It's very annoying. That thing is very annoying in heaven. For those of you that can be just it's very annoying. So only baptized and confirmed Catholics can take this communion. Hey, Jesus said, eat your, eat your communion now. Because they are not bombing you. When they start bombing you, he said, please, if you are the Russian Orthodox Church, take on this side. If you are an Anglican, your own is here. We have mixed it together, so there's no difference. Just, you know, the same couple. That's when you know that we are all, we are all believers in Christ. But when they are not bombing you, Jesus said, it's not your fault. There's no bomb. When they call you, they say, Reverend Father, you're taking the first prayer point. You say, yes, sir. Anglican Bishop, second prayer point. No problem, sir. Methodist priest, you are taking the top prayer point. So the, 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 the regional pastor of Redeem will now anoint all of you. Everybody will bow their head, bring their children. Ah! Calamity is good. <laughs> it will teach you the fear of God. That's why it says, bro, how do you pray? Say, Jesus, come, come, just come. Say, do you remove your shoes? Don't worry, don't worry, just come, just come. All these things, you remove your shoe, cover your hair. You know, it's when you have cloth, you cover the hair. <laughs> when they throw off in the same prison, Say, sister, put your hand over my head as my covering. Let us pray. That's what happened in northern Nigeria. When bombs were going up here and there, all of them realized that we are all brethren. They gathered under the same roof and began to pray. And God began to answer. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth out of my mouth in righteousness. I will not turn back. He said that to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, and he's speaking to the church, and I'm uttering that word to the church in this nation today, that only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. In the Lord all the offspring of Israel will be justified and with glory. If you think one government is coming to solve a problem, you have forgotten God. If you think one minister will be sacked and problems will go away, you have forgotten God. If you think the head of state will suddenly have wisdom to solve all the problems, you have forgotten God. If you think Dangote's refinery will solve all your forex problems, you have forgotten God. Sometimes I look at some of those things as a good sign of God's favor. But they are not the real solution. The real church of God in 2024 must return and remember her God. And I'm going to say something along the line. See, everything God gives you, you must possess. I'm one person that believes. Now we're talking to Pyelton. I'm going to mention Rehan Bonke also and their prophetic words. I began with that Pyelton. Let me say something about it before I finish it um, today. Pyelton said we are going to be known for righteousness. And I'm giving you the condition. When Daniel read it in um, Jeremiah, he went to pray. That prayer was necessary for the fulfillment. You know what the condition is for the prophecy of Pyelton to be fulfilled? It's one condition. It's in the scriptures. He said, come out of Israel. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Until the church starts walking in the light of the Lord. By Elton's prophecy, we just hang up there to never light physically. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. There is a condition for the fulfillment of that prophetic word that by Elton gave, which I believe in. But I'm giving you the prophetic, you know, condition now. I'm giving you by the Spirit of God what is required for that word to be fulfilled. This is how David said it. 
Isaiah was on speaking, please. He said, because, in fact, let's just read it. Isaiah chapter 2, from verse 5. He said, come house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. He said, for you, that is the Lord, for you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. What is the reason? Because they are filled with influences from the east. And they are soothsayers like the Philistines. And they strike bargains with the children of foreigners. It has worked for them. Their churches are full of money. It's verse 7. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold. And there's no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses. And there's no end to their chariots. Their land has also been defiled with idols. It has also been filled with idols. They worship the work of their hands that which their fingers have made. As a result, the common man has been humbled and the man of importance has been abased. He said, but do not forgive them. Enter in the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The proud look of man will be abased. And the loftiness of man will be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty. And against everyone who is lifted up. That he may be abased. And it will be against all the cedars of Lebanon. That are lofty and lifted up. Against all the oaks of Bashan. Against all the lofty mountains. The high tower. The ships of Tashish. I'm jumping a few lines. The pride of man will be humbled. And the loftiness of men will be abased. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. But the idols will completely vanish. Men will go into the the caves of the rocks and into the holes of the ground before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he arises to make the earth tremble. Not the devil. When he arises to make the earth tremble. Let me stop reading there. First line that I read. He said, what's the solution? Read for me verse 3. Everybody, for verse 5. Everybody, come house of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Everything you have seen is what happened when we did not walk in the light of the Lord. When the church that God raised up in this nation did not walk in the light of the Lord. That was why all the calamities that you see. Listen, let me tell you something to you so you understand. Many of you are sitting down here now and crying over. Eh? You know, they have in the Bible and God told us clearly what it is. Divine judgment. But it happens in our days, we say it's governmental inefficiency. It happens in our day, we say it's failure of security. It happens in our day, we say it's bad planning on the side of government. It happens in our day, we totally forget God. We say, not he. Where am I quoting from? There. From Jeremiah chapter 5. Read from verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 5. He said, for the house of Israel... And the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me. 
declares the Lord. They have, I'm sorry to say this. It's in the Bible. Everybody read the next line. Please just stop reading there. They have lied about the Lord and said, He doesn't punish. He does not bring sword. He doesn't bring famine. He's full of grace and mercy only. He does not judge iniquity. You know what Jeremiah said? They lied about the Lord. People of God, I've given you a central prayer point for the year. It's not the year of praying about promotion. It's a year to avert calamity that's ahead. Talked to the prophet the other day. I said, what I see scares me. He said, I see blood so thick, I don't believe it could have come from human beings killed. I've not finished processing it. But it doesn't scare me, simply because I thought about it. Why does God say things ahead so that we will pay attention? And listen to me, everyone that pays attention, who goes into intercession, God said, even if, now, please, I'm not saying this will happen, all right? He said, even if what you are praying for does not happen, I will give you your own life as a booty. He said, go and mark everyone who sighs and groans about the iniquity that is in the land before you release the angels of judgment. So those ones went ahead and marked only Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, only me. And God said, you, I will give you your life as a booty. That none of these evils will come upon you. Don't worry about it. There's a blessing for the intercessor. I'm telling you, there is. But I'm giving you a prayer point for the year. It's not about food. It's not about arrangement. It's not even about government. We'll continue to pray for this, our government. And I'll show you, as time goes on, how the iniquity of those who have forgotten God worsens the, the problem of the land. You want to hear the truth? Even Christians are wicked to this nation. They are wicked. God has given me peace. So anything that happens, I read, I don't, but I just, they said, dollar is 1,003. doesn't worry me. It's now 1,008. I better leave me. I said, God will take care of us. I was a little boy when it was 1,000, when it was 1,000, no, it was it 1, 1, it was 1 naira to 1 dollar. I was old enough to understand calculation when it was 1 naira to, to 50 cents. When you exchange 2 dollars for 1 naira, I was already old enough to be able to do calculation. I grew up, I, I was in university when it was like one to one something. I was already halfway to university when it hit four naira to the dollar. To tell you, I was a university student. When this naira was four naira to the dollar. I've seen it, so we didn't die. Went to 10, we're right there. I was in Lagos, in fact, shortly after my NYC, when it hit 17 naira. That was around 1993. I was in Enugu when it got to about 100 and something. Came to Enugu, year 2000. This is 2024, starting now. Moved from 100 to 1,000 something. You know what? I didn't lose weight. I, I didn't lose weight. If I lost weight, I had to jog. I had to run up and down. I had to diet. Because God said, your bread shall be given you, and your water will be sure. So that doesn't worry me. But what I just know is that the people of this land, you know, I'm talking to the church. They are wicked against the land. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Most of the prayers they pray, God says, I don't listen. They are prayers of wickedness from wicked hearts. I don't listen. There are prayers in which all they do is point fingers. I don't listen. I can't listen. You hardly hear prayers from humbled hearts. Hearts that have been humbled. I use the word humbled with the past tense. That hearts have looked at everything. And have given up on every other thing. And put all this hope in God. I hardly hear prayers from those kind of hearts. I hardly hear prayers from those who are willing to sacrifice for the land they claim to be praying for. I hardly hear such prayers. I hear prayers of those who are like the, you know, pyramid scheme people. Getting early. Get out early. They don't hate the idea of quick gain. They don't hate the idea of defrauding another person. They just don't want to be the one defrauded. So if they go into MMM, they provide help, they receive help. That's what they used to do. And then before the whole thing crumbles, they've received all their help and they've gone out. They will give testimonies. Even though they know their prosperity is hurting somebody else. They don't care. I see the way Nigerians, I'm talking about Christians, so not the unbeliever. The unbeliever is, is an unbeliever. It's supposed to unbelieve. But I know. A non-believer is what? What did I say? A non-believer is a non-believer. He is supposed to unbelieve. So he will misbehave. He will do what is wrong. It's when Christians are exactly like them. Now, check whether I'm wrong. Just talk to an average unbeliever and an average Christian on their outlook towards the nation and what they should do about it, remove the issue of prayer and see whether you can tell the difference. That's why I said they are filled with influences from the east. And they are soothsayers like the Philistines. When I go around, be preaching one annoying doctrine of grace that God does not know about. As if no matter what I do, he has no consequence. You want to know? That is the one that is from the pit of hell. The grace that does not teach you to depart from iniquity. It's from the pit of hell. It's what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. They are demonic doctrines. The grace that tells you can live one way and get the reward of righteousness. It's a doctrine of demons. I've given you today the spiritual situation around you and what your focus of prayer must be this season. It's our school of prayer. Piloting prophesied the condition I've given you by the Spirit today. It will not come to pass concerning the whole land until the people of God daring say to themselves, Come, house of Israel. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. What does it mean? House of Israel. If we enter into politics, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Come, house of Israel. If we are doing ministry, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I told you and I say boldly, my figures may not be accurate, but those who know, know I'm not too off balance. I doubt whether we have up to 10% of our prominent pastors in this nation and ministers who have not forgotten God. I think 10% is a generous number. They've all forgotten. You hear what they say behind? You know they have forgotten. Why? Just listen to them talk. They are filled with influences from the East. And they are soothsayers like the Philistines. Pastors talk. You don't know whether... They're like, you're wondering like, Okay, let me give you a, Don't think they go and say, ha, we worship the devil. No, that's not the truth. The one I said, 
that uh, ahead that knocked me out. Let me not mention names. I'm going to use two tribes that are not found here. So I won't know which one. You know what I want to talk about. Assuming there's one French preacher. There's no French preacher in Nigeria, really. None of us is French, all right? So one French preacher met, met another French preacher where they were British preachers. And the British preacher was rejoicing. This French preacher is my friend. That one spoke to that one in French. He said, be careful of these British people. Though. Let's help each other. we French people. And they are both preachers. They are all preachers. The British preacher is the host. French preacher number one came. And the British preacher was introducing French preacher number one. And said, this is my brother from another mother. He was so proud of what the man preached. And another French preacher came, French preacher number two, and spoke in French to that one. I said, please, don't mind these British people. Though. Let's help ourselves with French people. Then, okay, see me after. I promise to give you their names. He's, because you will soon, to, this boy wants to die in my hand. I said something. <laughs> the guy will be panting. This guy, you know what Jesus called him? He said, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. He does not know the kind of guile his brethren are doing. There's not one of these people I've mentioned hmm? that don't have at least 100,000 followers in this country. Sorry, that's 100,000. A million. When I say 100,000, I wanted to count their church membership. But if I talk about followers, I put a million at least on each one of them. Both the French and the British one. Come. So I come. As finished, I will tell you who said what. But the only thing, you must not repeat it even to your wife. If you can handle that. <laughs> if you can't handle it, don't come. I've used that one to deliver myself. <laughs> but my issue is that these are prominent preachers who don't even believe in the oneness of the body. I know what I said. I will say it again. I don't think we have up to 10% of our prominent preachers who have not forgotten God. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. I don't know what you are going to say, but just begin to say something to the Lord. Say something to the Lord, though. It's our school of prayer. You know what to pray, oh. Spirit of God indicates there's trouble ahead, but it can be averted. How do you avert it? You say to me, say, just remember the Lord. Just remember the Lord. Just remember the Lord. That's all. Just remember the Lord. Just remember the Lord. Uh, Yes, pray. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help me to take my place of intercession. The message is clear. Your responsibility has been made known to you. Help me as a Christian. Of course, I'm not going to be part of the problem. I'm not going to be part of the decay by the mercy and the help of God. And as, in, as an intercessor, Lord, I will not fail in my duty. I will not fail in my place. Yeah, I've put in 10%. This year, I will do more. Do more of intercession. Please pray for yourself. I really don't know how you have received this. What I think is a call to duty. For a number of people, is a call to repentance. You know. And if you think you are safe, then you must be deceiving yourself. So pray and say, Lord, help me to the place of intercession. Help me. Help me. The pastor was clear. It's not a year to focus on 
bread and butter and the other things. Is it yet to say to the Lord, have mercy? Is it yet to say to the Lord, we've neglected our place, we've neglected our responsibility, but by your power and by your spirit, we go back to spreading truth, to standing our ground for truth. Is that here? It's going to take care of the rest. So there's no need spending your energy in those other mundane issues. Let's focus on the real thing. Say, Father, thank you that my ears can hear this truth. Thank you that my head has not rejected this truth. I've received it. And I know, I've received the instruction also and I know what to do. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This year is good for you in Jesus' name. You have come to a season of understanding. You have come to a season of responsibility. You have come to a season of understanding. You have come to a season of responsibility. For you who understand these two things, this year will be good for you. For it is a year of fruitfulness. It's a year of the glory of God manifesting in your life. The Lord may have you make some sacrifices. Don't worry about it. All things will work together for your good. Because you love the Lord and you are called according to his purpose. In the name of Jesus, 2024 is a good year for you. It's a good year for you. This year you will not walk in confusion. You will not walk aimlessly. I need to say that again. You will not walk in confusion. Broad is the way, the road that leads to destruction. Many are on it. You won't follow them. Say amen to that one. You will not follow them. The road that leads to life, there are few people on it. Because it's narrow and it's tight. The gate is tight. Now you're not a glutton for punishment. Not like you're just looking for suffering. But the right thing to do even though few people are doing it. The grace to do it, receive now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I say, for, for you, this year will not be a time of confusion. Amen. I was just in with uh, my, well, some of the co-workers yesterday. I had a meeting around 11. And I was telling the story, remember, Judah opened his mouth <laughs> when I said some things. Some decisions I made those days, I made a decision one day. My salary dropped from 15000 to $6,000 a month. Now, the point was that it didn't look like a sacrifice. It looked reasonable. Like, what else will I do? I was saying that, yes, that now I look back at those years, and I say, I was filled with the Spirit. I must have been. I look at some of those, I say, I must have been filled with the Spirit. It's the only way you make some of those decisions. It was not human knowledge. It was inspired by the Word of God. What am I saying? To you, what others will think is crazy, it will be clear to you. You will do that which is right and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Now listen to this. He will make all things work together for your good. He will make all things work together for your good. He said, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Why did they say so? Because what they needed to do was fearful. It was fearsome. It was as if they were, <laughs> they were taking a risk with their lives. Say, said, don't worry. Put your hand on the plow and don't look back. 
Say like Esther, if I perish, I perish. At least I perished in doing righteousness. That's the attitude you must have. That's what it means to die to self. I say to you, all things will work together for your good. I'm not telling you that before the end of the year, God will make you a billionaire. I didn't say that. What I said is all things will work together for your good. You will not miss the plan of God for your life. It's a year of refreshing, refreshing with the word of God, with the dew from heaven. The word of the Lord will come to you regularly this year. Amen. To not be scarce to you. Amen. When I began to preach this evening, I said this expectation. Now lift up your head. They expect God to do a miracle in your life this year. Aha, uh-huh, I like this part. This year, <laughs> you will have a testimony that even you cannot doubt. Amen. That the world cannot doubt, even if they wanted to. You no, know, their testimonies are only evil people that are going to hellfire without them. Such a testimony is coming your way this year. Amen. Listen, we said last year, and I'm reiterating it, afflictions, you leave them behind last year. This is a year of health. Amen. It's a year of vitality. Amen. It's a year of divine provision. Amen. It's a year of divine abundance. Amen. All that you need to do the will of God will be supplied to you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember one thing I said earlier. God marks his people, and they are delivered from all calamities. You are marked. Therefore, you are delivered. In the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it's day or night, you will be safe. Whether it's at home or on the road, you will be safe. No evil will come to your dwelling place. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. I love this, this name of the Lord, and I lift it over your head today. There is none like the God of Israel who rise the heavens to your help and through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath you are his everlasting arms. This year, all enemies are driven out from before you. The Lord says, let destruction overtake them. But you, you will dwell in safety. You will dwell in the land of grain and new wine. And the heaven over you will drop down dew. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want you to bless ten people. It's a new year. Say this is your season.